0: Where's Fielder? He's gone to the dogs.
1: Is this the editor of Full Cry Magazine?
2: That's what they tell me I am.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, Danny, how are you?
2: I'm good. How are you, sir?
1: I'm doing great. I'm doing just great. It's good to speak to you. I've talked to your illustrious husband there. <laughs> many, okay. many times, but uh, yeah, I feel he's, like he's I know you. He's the
2: talker between the two of us. So. Oh
1: yeah, <laughs> you're the doer. He's the talker.
2: Exactly.
1: <laughs> well, for my listeners, I, I hit the red button when the phone when I uh, dialed the phone, uh, and I just wanted to. Take a few minutes to let the listeners of the Gone to the Dogs podcast know who you are and talk to you a little bit about this uh, venture that you and Jason have embarked on. And and uh, quite frankly, the whole coonhound and the whole hound world uh, is talking about it. And uh, and so I thought I'd just go to the source today and, and see what's going on. Um, You are a very, very busy person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: I I, tell people I run run on caffeine and dreams. That's about it. (laughs)
1: Caffeine and dreams. And and there's an old saying back east, something about butter beans. I don't – goes into that as well. Although the caffeine part may not be part of it, but hey, I, I'm a, I have a copy here of the new and definitely improved Full Crime Magazine, and uh, it's awesome. And I I reread your uh, editorial there uh, before I called because I just wanted to kind of refresh myself a little bit there about who you are and so forth, but uh, I met Jason for the first time, your husband, out at Autumn Oaks, and uh, right away he was telling me, talking about Danny this and Danny that, and uh, so I've always wanted to meet you, and I guess we're going to get to do that at the upcoming Grand American, is that right?
2: Yeah, uh, that is the plan is that we are going to both be out there for that one. So, which is actually the first time that I've got to go on a trip since we did Heartland Classic seven, eight years ago, eight years ago. So I'm excited to come that way.
1: Oh sure. Well, you, you're a little bit uh, off the grid, so to speak, as far as the main line of my listeners, which are mainly coon hunters. But I do have a lot of hounds people from around the country that listen to and and on thanks, of course, to Buddy Woodbury and W Hunting Supply that makes it possible for me to do this podcast every every uh week and of course Jason is a big big part of that and uh but I've enjoyed working with Jason and um I I just wanted to kind of get a little perspective from you um uh, I know that this was pretty much your idea to get involved with Full Cry right Yeah
2: no it was Jason had heard that it was closing and um he's like well somebody should do something i'm like well if somebody should do something i guess that
1: means that's us so let's just do it <laughs> well that attitude is is infectious and uh, and uh, i'm certainly glad you did and as i look through this magazine it really is quite good i uh, you know i've had a little experience in the publishing field but uh, this thing is top drawer first class all the way and uh, a lot of thought, a lot of preparation, a lot of work went into it. I know, and I guess the head scratcher for me is how is a mom of four kids, <laughs> the wife of a houndsman, <laughs> and uh, who works in a field that keeps him on the phone all the time. I know, and and now I hear that you're also uh, farming and and uh, homeschooling your children and. <laughs> At all this, how you keep all those balls in the air? <laughs> uh,
2: no sleep, caffeine, and dreams. <laughs> that's what you said,
1: didn't you? Yep. Well, that's great. Well, Danny, um, as I say, you know, everybody's so excited about this, and I got a. It, it's really cool. I got a, a text just to, um, today. Just saw it for the first time from a guy that I knew that lived in Michigan years ago, and he bought a dog from my dad, a plot dog, and he uh, is now living out in Arkansas. I hadn't heard from him in years. And he uh, mentioned that he saw in the New Full Cry the article by my dad, and one of the photographs in the article was uh, contained a, a dog... The dog that he bought, this dog called Blue Joe, a plot dog. Now, how neat is that? You know, I haven't kind of heard right. from this guy in so long, and now I can't wait to get in touch with him myself and and you know uh, talk about old times. So, right? Isn't that a neat thing?
2: It is cool, and that's you know that's what we were talking about with full cry and um is everybody has some sort of connection with it. If you're in the dog industry, there's some connection somewhere. And so they were actually, Jason was just telling me, he's like, you need to come up with a tagline. You need to um, have some sort of slogan. And I told him, I said, I think what I want to use is find yourself in the pages of Full Cry. Because I feel like that Mm -hmm. encompasses everything. Like you're going to find your name in there. You're going to find dogs you know in there. But I also want you to be able to sit down with a cup of coffee and disappear and find yourself in the story, you know, like immerse yourself in it. So I think that's what we're going with on that, just because it is everybody's there and everybody remembers things. And it's that nostalgic feel and your name's in there. And that's that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> hey, I
1: love it. I love it. That's great. Absolutely. And I was, uh, I had posted something about basically learning to read in the pages of Full Cry, and a guy named Don Nicely, who has been quite a historian on the Tree and Walker, and he, he's a guy we need to encourage to do some writing for you. Uh, yeah,
2: I actually talked to him yesterday oh, about did that. You?
1: Awesome. <laughs> well, and he just kind of relived. Uh, you know, the fact that he also uh, learned or or at least uh, improved his reading skills by getting uh, Full Cry magazine when he was young. So, yeah, so yeah. there's just so many aspects of it. And uh, my dad was, um, he submitted a couple, a couple of articles and you uh, graciously printed one of them there. But uh, as I was going through Dad's things, I found some old letters from Mrs. Walker, Estelle Harris Walker, uh, that she would write back. Anytime you submitted something to her, I'm not suggesting she would write back a letter and it was like a letter from home. You know, And this one she's talking about. She'd been to the doctor and found that the heart issues that she uh, feared were not existent and so she was happy about that. But you know, it's always been a letter from home yeah. to the coon hunter and the fox hunter and the bear hunter and the deer hunter uh, wh- whatever you used to hound for, you know. And I think that's why the shockwave kind of ran through the right. hunting community, you know, when the work Terry announced that he was no longer gonna publish Full Cry. And it's like yeah. no. <laughs> Don't do well, that.
2: And I think that's exactly it, is it's just been that we've it's felt like home and it's been taken advantage of that always it'll just be there. And so it's been really nice to see everybody rally behind it and you know, the stories that are coming in and the stories of the past and the stories of that people want to share for the future. I mean, I've been very excited with everything that that has come through. So,
1: well, I think that you uh, certainly put together um, a wide array of material here for you know all facets of our sport to enjoy, and uh, yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's a winner-winner chicken dinner as we say <laughs> out here. Well, what well, are, Thank you. Well, I wanted I want to encourage listeners, and I want you to comment on this, if you will, uh, to submit material. How how do folks do that, and what what uh, what are you looking for?
2: Yeah, so I am looking for, if the clubs want to send updates, I'm looking for a little short 500 words for club updates, but then if you've got good stories to share, um, I would like to feature a lot of those, and I, I'm really looking for more story story type of things than just um,
1: news reports and stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The news reports. Like I think there is a place for it and it needs to stay there, but we're kind of trying to limit the words on those so that we can get that good story and that, that
1: Mm.
2: wanting to sit there and share. So um, send those individually outside of clubs for sure. And I would love to just keep publishing um, that type of information um, and you can send it to publish at fullcrymag.com. dot com, um, and we'll just start adding those in and featuring some at the front, and then um, putting as many as I can fit in my pages in, in as into there. So that's what I'm I'm looking for right now is just good stories. Um, I know in February I'm gonna do. I'm trying to feature more of the mentor aspect of it, so the stories of the guy who got you into hunting or we well, ha- all have that one guy that we were ready to throw in the towel and quit and just kept you going. Um, so those types of stories in that February issue. Um, and then December, I'm really trying to put some feel-good stories in. Um, uh, so I've got Houndsmen for Heroes which is um, mm. a hunting organization that actually Jason sits, it's a nonprofit. Jason sits on the board with them. Um, and their whole purpose is we take um, veterans out on bobcat hunts. So it's all cat hunting with veterans. And so stories about them. And then I'm talking with um, the guys that are doing that hand, the great hound puppy giveaway for kids um, so that'll be in the December issue. But if you have any nonprofits or groups that are just doing feel-good work with hounds, that's going to be December. I want December to be light. It's Christmas.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I think we all, the, there's just something in the air that kind of softens the heart, you know, yep. when Christmas rolls around. and and, yeah, well, I think that's a great idea. I want to uh, repeat this so that people get it. Uh, you want those submissions sent to publish at com, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. Good deal. Well, hopefully, uh, if I can remember, I'll have uh, Jason uh, tag that maybe in the show notes, show summary on this podcast that people can uh, – Can uh, see that as well Well uh, You uh, With all of the activities That you have around home uh, (laughs) Do you ever get The opportunity to get out with the hounds Yourself
2: Um, I have taken a lot more of a backseat the last few years because we just keep having babies. So <laughs> now that the older ones are able to go and do, yeah. grandma's watching the babies. And so I've, I've started hunting a lot more with him than well, I was. But, you know, when we got into dogs, I was already a dog person per se before we got hounds, and he was a hunting person per se. And so the hounds just ended up being a really good fit for the two of our worlds i mean Hmm. when it comes down to like my my background is all biology and um animal science and so i totally nerd out on pedigrees and genetics and that type of thing and he nerds out on seeing dogs in the woods and so between the two of us we have some very uh lively discussions
1: in our household <laughs> uh, no doubt no doubt well i think he probably came back from that uh, initial meeting we had at autumn oaks which was uh, uh spilled over into the late hours uh, up in the room with uh, my friend nubbin moore and uh, and uh we were just you know talking dogs so to speak and yeah. and I think it might have sounded like we were imbibing a little too much on Nubbins uh, homemade wine but if you've ever had <laughs> a glass of that muscadine wine you will appreciate <laughs> it for sure but no well that's great well that uh, you know I knew f- from the start from his reputation at uh, W so many people depend on Jason uh, for so much there at that, uh, at that organization. And I knew he was a great guy. And when I heard that you guys were going to tackle this project at first, I said, what, <laughs> that's going to that's be a lot of work. But, um, if it's a labor of love, you know I, I had the privilege to serve as an editor in a couple magazines over the years, and uh, it, it definitely for me was a labor of love because uh, when you got something good or you hear something good or you has you know some good information, you want to share it, you know, yeah. and uh, so that's what you're you're now able to do, and you can decide. Uh, you know what we're going to have to read every other month, and uh, that's a big responsibility. But it's also got to be uh, a kind of a a, a a rush to be able to. Yeah,
2: do that. it's been it's been fun. I've been looking for more of a creative outlet um, to put my energy mm-hmm. into because um, I also do accounting, and that is not creative in any way shape mm-hmm. or form and mm-hmm. so i've been looking for something like that to do um and before we the day before we heard full cry was for sale um i was actually cleaning out under the couch which if you know my life with four children that never happens yeah. never happens <laughs> it just can stay under the couch and yeah, i right. out, out of
1: sight out I, of mind right
2: i was cleaning out under the couch and i pulled out an old 1990s issue of full cry from under there and i'm like why do we have this where did this come from and i asked jason and he's like i have no idea why this is here and i don't know because i didn't want to throw an old issue if there was a reason it was sitting there and so the next day we heard it was for sale and i told him i'm like well that's a sign. We're that was a omen, right so. there,
1: wasn't it? Because <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, a- I cleaned out my couch. <laughs> <laughs> and there, you heard it first, right here on the Gone to the Dogs podcast, folks. Yep. Well, Danny, we're out here in the town community, looking so forward to. Uh, you know, getting to know you and your family better as every issue goes by, and and I know uh, my friend Corey Groover is working some with you, and uh, and I know he's really excited about that, and and Clayton Stark, what a great guy and talented guy he is, and I see that he's being involved, and and uh, it's it just on and on, so. I'm even going to, you know, you talked about creativity, and that's one of the things that I always enjoyed down through the years of my career is to be able to sit down and write something. And my son is actually a journalism major, although he's been in a PR field with, uh, with major corporations. But he told me years ago after he went to journalism school, he said, Dad, you just need to write something every day. Just it doesn't matter what it is. Just write something every day, and so I look forward to doing that. And I hope that I can come up with something every once in a while that you might find uh, worthy of printing. But uh, I encourage the listeners to uh, to get those creative juices flowing. Yes, and there
2: there it, there are pages for them. So even if it comes in. Help with that. Don't worry about sending me a finished product. Just send me send me your stories. I can't replicate those. That's what I'm looking
1: for. Well, um, back years ago at Coonhound Bloodlines Magazine, I had some writers that would submit, and if I published it just the way they wrote it, it wasn't that, that it was not for public. I mean, that it was anything, uh, you know, uh, um, scene or anything like that it was just mm. that you couldn't decipher it mm. so that that's what an editor's for okay you gotta earn you your know. money you know
2: <laughs> well and that's the thing and you can't edit things too much because let me tell you me in Oregon editing I too much I'm gonna edit out the tone of you in the south so I gotta <laughs> be careful not to do that
1: <laughs> yeah that's right we do kind of speak a different language down here Well,
2: you could say we could speak a different language over here.
1: You've got that, Chris, kind of like (laughs) the new... Uh, or Amer- Midwestern, I'm trying to say. It kind of carries on over yep. through the Upper Midwest or the Upper <laughs> uh, West and all. But uh, it's, it's refreshing. And, Danny, I know that you're very busy. Is there anything that you – we've been at it about 20 minutes here, and I really thank you for that. Is there anything that we need to tell people out there about about the um. New Full Cry or about how to get it and so forth?
2: I think you can get it on the website, www.fullcrimemag.com. You can call me and I can put an order in for you. Um, but you may go to voicemail cause sometimes I'm homeschooling and I just let it ring, but sure. I will call you back to do if you do. Um, and then the only other thing I think we didn't touch is I am going to, I am running a special on stud dog ads, um,
1: Oh, good. To make
2: those inexpensive, just because I feel like that is something we need to get back in the habit of doing. Um, you can, you know, you can put them on the Internet, but in 30 years, when we pick up that magazine, you know, and I'm th- thumbing through, that's where you see those those dogs of the past. They're going to just disappear if we just put it on the Internet only. So I would like, like to encourage people to start thinking about that again. So there are full pages for $150, which in full color, I think is very reasonable. So if people are interested in that, they can give me a call and we can set that up.
1: Awesome. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that was always a major part of the magazines in their heyday when there were a lot of uh, the circulation numbers were quite huge, simply because that was the form of communication we had. But one of the things that readers look forward to the most were reading those stud ads and uh and so forth so i would encourage listeners out there uh get that uh, get those ads done now do you want those camera ready when they come in or do you i mean
2: it would be nice but i can help build ads if that's not possible so um my my graphics guy is going to kill me for volunteering him to help me with well, that
1: well there are sources <laughs> at, <laughs> there are several sources out there of people that are building ads and they're simply putting them on the internet and they don't have the impact mm-hmm. that they have when you're holding it there in your hand
2: you know exactly and, and, and yeah that's my thought is that you know one i always enjoy flipping through and looking at dogs, that's what I say, Pe- dogs are prettier on paper, I think, but um, yeah. also, you know, if you want that impact of the dog, it's, I'm looking at issues from the 40s and the 50s and looking at dogs in, in history then, so I oh, yeah. I feel like getting those stud dog gads is, in is a way to really just solidify them in the history books, so well, sure. that's what I'm looking
1: at. and I'll put in a little note there if someone wants to contact me through uh, social media. I can pass along some names of people that are doing these ads and doing them very, very inexpensively. And so, perfect. and in that way, you can send the camera-ready piece to you and and uh, see it in the next issue of Full Cry. Yeah, awesome. that
2: would be perfect. Yeah, that's
1: great. Well, tell us real quick about your family about your boys and now you finally you know, my wife had four daughters. She never <laughs> did get that boy <laughs> until her grandson Tyler came along. Tell yeah, us uh, tell us about about the Doobie family.
2: We have three boys, seven, five, and two, and then we just had a little girl in July finally, so um I think we're full. I think we are now full. But those boys, they're feral. That's what I tell people about my kids. I got wild, wild children. I mean, they know when to put it in line, but overall, they're feral. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the, you're letting them be boys, and there's a great uh, uh, great value to that, Danny. I, I tell people about that, too. I had two cousins that were the same age as me and two of my dad's sister's boys, and when we would go to the farm in Tennessee, the three of us, they'd just turn us loose. You know, yep. we'd be there for a week or two weeks, Christmas, 4th of July. There was a farm kid with us. We just, you know, basically we terrorized the county <laughs> for about two <laughs> two weeks, and we were good. We didn't do get out and get into Trouble, but we did also didn't. We also did a few things that would have probably caused our parents <laughs> <laughs> uh, some sleepless nights. But no, no, all good stuff. I'm glad you're raising them yep. that way. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, Danny, it's been delightful to talk to you. I appreciate your time, and I would hope as time goes by and new things are coming up for a full cry or anything that you have to say. And I know. Uh, your husband uh, does a podcast quite regularly on the uh, Hound uh, Cast W Supply Network there. But uh, you're always welcome here. And anything new coming up the pike for Full Cry, or, or you just want to come on a visit, let me know. We'll get it done.
2: Absolutely. I appreciate it. And I really appreciate it the support from you and from the hound community in getting this done i think it's going to be a, a great labor of love for all of us so i think it's something that we can all be proud of together
1: there you go well that's danny Dooby, editor and uh, she and her husband jason are the owners of full crime magazine uh our sport needs full crime we're so happy that it's in such good hands Thank you very much, sir. Well, it's mighty good to have Danny Doobie on the podcast today. And uh, I've got um, great expectations as to how uh, the new Full Cry magazine is going to fare out there among the tree dog people across the country. And I thought it would be a good idea today to bring my friend Corey Groover uh, back to the podcast, he's been on a couple of times already, and uh, like me, has worked with a coonhound or treehound publication that being the uh, coonhound bloodlines. When he worked as I did uh, at United Kennel Club, so I'm uh, just really glad that you're on with me today, Corey. How you doing? Hey, Steve,
0: I'm doing good, I'm glad to be here
1: well yeah and and is autumn coming to pennsylvania that's the first question
0: i'd say autumn's here to be honest with you we're getting a lot of a lot of leaf change right now and as far as color goes and it's it's the best time of the year in my book i love hunting that early archery season and having having a little bit of color change to to look at while i'm sitting there waiting and it's fantastic
1: well, it's my favorite time of year for sure, and uh, I, in fact, I'm going to be sliding up that way here within about a week of the time we're uh, podcast or. Recording this podcast, I'm trying to say, uh, I have a friend named Nathan Johnson who lives in the southern part of West Virginia where I'm from, and he texts me this morning a picture, and he said it's going to be, the color's going to be peak in about a week, <laughs> oh my goodness. and uh, he says, I know that you're, uh, you and your uh, wife like to do these leaf peeping tours and all, but uh, this year we've kind of opted To take a different route, we're going to do some things later on in the year. So we're not taking our little color tour, which just conveniently opens a door for me to take a hunting trip Ah. in in mid-October. So I'm planning to leave here uh, about the middle of the month and uh, slide up to Virginia, hunt a little bit with my brother and with my buddy Keston. Uh, we're trying to wrangle uh, Mark Miller from North Carolina to join us up there, and uh, so do a little hunting there. And then any time I get up in that part of the world, I have to get up to my buddy Randy Smith's, and that's getting up into your country. So uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. I may be knocking on your door looking for a free meal.
0: One. <laughs> if you show up for breakfast, that's probably your best odds. That's my best bet.
1: <laughs> well, that's always good. But usually for a coon hunter, breakfast comes mid-morning or later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Depending on how how uh, the hunt went the night before. Well, Corey, uh, it's always good to have you. And uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about this new magazine. It's called quite a stir around the country and just wanted to kind of get your take on it. And then I thought we might break it down a little bit, uh, flip the pages and, uh, and, you know, see what we think about it. I know it's not, uh, our opinion that's going to be the most important, but it's, it's an opinion and, uh, and I think you have good ones. So, uh, just on the surface well i know first of all you contributed an article to the magazine this time didn't you
0: yes sir i sure did
1: yeah yeah and uh, i was uh, really uh, uh glad to see that you had the good taste to put a plot as a the feature or they did as the feature dog i think that's a plot yeah it sure looks and, like and, a plot and, anyways uh, uh, it is but that was that your choice or the editor's choice? No,
0: I that was that was uh, probably Danny's choice, and I I think it's a beautiful photo, to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, yeah, he has got a nice headshot. I'm trying to find out here what page are you on? I uh, you. That would be page
0: eight. Starts on Look, page. Eight. Man,
1: you you really upstaged me on this thing. I didn't get in until way way further on. Yes. <laughs> <So. laughs> no, uh, Our Place in History is what you wrote, uh, Navigating Tradition and Innovation. You know, before we get into that, and and I do want to d- discuss that, your article a little bit, and what motivated you to write it, but I think what I see is I turn the pages of this magazine, first of all, it's very high quality. For a Coonhound magazine, especially these days, uh, don't you think so?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and you can see that from cover to cover. You know, when you look at the the re kind of the rebranding that's taking place on the front page with the new full cry emblem up at the top there, and as you get through, you know, some of some of the pages going into some of these awesome stories in here, um, it just screams quality. And I, I actually even took my copy that, uh, I got to my local coon hunters meeting here just the other night and and people were blown away by it. You know, people that haven't yet subscribed. And, um, I think just because of them having it in their hands and, and feeling that quality, uh, they're gonna, they're gonna faithfully subscribe now, so.
1: Well, I certainly hope so. And that is, you know, there's nobody to blame. Well, I guess that's a strong statement. Nobody is covers a lot of ground. But one of the main reasons that the Tree Dog Magazine's American Cooner and Full Cry failed is because people stopped subscribing. But on the other side of that coin, the editorial had left a lot of the older readers, the people that, you know, had specific reasons that they loved Full Cry and looked forward to it every month. It had kind of changed down through the... Well, kind of is a a weak word. That's a, a weasel word. It, it definitely had changed from the magazine that used to be into more of a let's say, more of a squirrel hunter, uh, curdog-type uh, editorial. And there's certainly nothing wrong with that. Those people need a good, uh, good magazine, too. But I think that was you know, part of the reason it was a double-edged sword. You know, when, when readership goes down, advertising goes down, and uh, all of that and ultimately the numbers are not there to support the the subscription price or the price for a page of advertising comments
0: well i think i think you hit the nail right on the head there i i can recall uh during my time with the united kennel club i wrote supplemental articles that went into full cry and they were all geared towards squirrel dog people and those were the dogs that were on the cover and those were the dogs that stories were be were being written about and there was a lot of coverage at the at the major squirrel hunting events and and such so it's nice to see that that jason and danny and, and the whole full cry team have you know, observe that change and they're working to correct it. I don't think that was ever the intention. And I think that um, I think that it's nice because they were able to build up a subsection of their clientele that way, Um, you know, through Terry, Terry's work with full cry prior to Jason and Danny purchasing it. So we know that we have the squirrel dog people that, are going to be involved regardless now with this resurgence. And the Hound people, I think, are lacking a little bit of representation as far as print publication goes. So I think this is just a win-win for everybody, and we're going to see great things out of it.
1: Well, I, I agree, and and absolutely don't mean to be disparaging toward the Squirrel dog people. In fact, I just joined a group on Facebook, uh, a squirrel hunting group. I don't know if you're a member of that. I can't even remember what the name of it is, but it's interesting. There's a lot of people that are are squirrel hunters, still hunters, most of them that I've seen on there so far. And I recall the days of my youth because, man, I was the original Southern West Virginia squirrel killer. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I loved the squirrel hunt when I was a kid. Listen, and then, listen. Uh, if I had the op or
0: if I had the opportunity to, if, if I had to go one direction or the other, if I could only hunt raccoons or if I could only hunt squirrels the rest of my life, I would choose squirrels every single day of the week. I mean, I've got a little squirrel dog here that I'm, I'm pretty high on. And uh, and squirrel hunting is just fun, you know?
1: Absolutely it is. And when I was in, uh, well, back over the years at the registries, as we started to develop squirrel hunting programs, you know, uh, that was a hoot to me uh, because, you know, hunting squirrels over a dog. In fact, we did a, a, a TV program through the Michigan United Conservation Clubs. It's called Michigan Out of Doors. And we set up a squirrel hunt with a friend that uh, I had there in the Kalamazoo area who's since passed on, a fellow named Frank Lang. And we did took the dogs out and we filmed a squirrel hunt. And they told me that that was the most popular TV show there for, for, uh, for quite a long time. Uh, was that squirrel hunt that we filmed, and uh, we had a ball with it. And uh, it, as you say, it's it's just fun. And whether you get out there at daylight and sit under a hickory tree when they're cutting, uh, as my dad tells the sto- told the story of this 22 rifle that I have here in the safe. Uh, he and my dad's brother bought it from Sears. I think it was in 1934, and they paid five dollars for it, brand new, wow. single shot 22. And my dad, my dad was not a teller of tall tales. He he was very specific in when he told a story. And my wife gives me a fit over just get to the point, Steve. Get to the point, you know. (laughs) And the old saying is when someone asks me (laughs) what time it is, I tell them how to build a watch. (laughs) But anyway, my dad said he got under this uh, hickory tree one morning up on what we call Schoolhouse Hill, Cedar Hill. There was an old one room schoolhouse there. There I go. Chasing rabbits again. But anyway, (laughs) he's laying up there on his back under a hickory with that old rifle and his mouth full of twenty-two shorts. And he said he would put, uh, this is a single-shot rifle. There's no clip, no magazine tube. Put uh, a shell in, close the bolt, pick out a squirrel low down as he could in the tree. Shoot that squirrel, ease the bolt back, and pop that that uh, empty out, and take another one out of his mouth and slide it in there. I hope he used some good Hoppies number nine or something <laughs> on that action when he got through. Because imagine, it sounds like it would be kind of juicy. <laughs> Probably. But anyway, he said, "Steve, I killed six squirrels out of that one hickory." He said because and it's his way Dad told it. He said, When I got up and they, they quit feeding, I got up and I counted my squirrels. I had six. And he said oh my gosh. that's the most I've tri- killed out of one tree. So anyway, squirrel hunting's a great sport and I and I know that the editorial in Full Cry had leaned heavily that way, but you know, the squirrel hunters were the ones sending the material. They were the ones that were writing the breed columns and the association columns and sending in the photographs and so forth. So I think that's a maybe that's a lesson for us that kind of prefer uh, the Hounds of the Night or maybe the big game dogs or whatever. If we want to see more of our uh, favorites in this new magazine. We're gonna to have to support it with our stories and our pictures and so forth.
0: That that's exactly right, Steve. I mean, and I and on that point, I would say kudos to the the people that did contribute to this particular issue. I think there's a lot of quality in the writing in this particular issue. Uh, and it just blew me away, reading it cover to cover that that morning that it you know came into my mailbox. It was a real treat, so
1: Well, you're ahead of me in that regard. i I definitely, as soon as I got the magazine, i I cracked it open and I started. I read uh, Danny's editorial first. And uh, as you can, as listeners uh, now know, she's a very interesting lady. And uh, I call her the Renaissance gal, really, because <laughs> she does so many things and uh, is so talented. And, uh, but at any rate, the thing that I got from the interview with Danny and knowing uh, her husband, Jason, is this is a heart thing. This is th- something she's doing. Uh, you know, when when she says that Jason came in and told her that, the magazine, uh, *Full Cry*, was no longer going to be published. That she said it was like the look on his face was like he lost a favorite uncle, oh, you my. know. And uh, and uh, her her story there that she told about uh, how she got the idea by uh, cleaning out from under the couch and finding an old issue of *Full Cry* magazine. And asking, uh, Jason, "What what is this? What's this all about? Why is this there? And then the one thing led to another, you know, got them all, uh, piqued their interest in pursuing, you know, purchasing the magazine. So, well, anyway, okay, as we look at this thing, first thing I notice, it's got this real nice, almost cardstock cover, which is, it's not flimsy uh, at all. I wouldn't use open? it for
0: toilet paper. I can tell you that much. No, no, no,
1: <laughs> no. That that, uh, uh, that would not be a good a good choice. There's an old West. Now there you go, Corey. dog go <laughs> on it. There's an old West Virginia boy back there that I used to write about quite often. His name was Bubba, and he lived back in the hills. And he he got uh, about a thousand feet of this orange heavy duty. Uh, extension cord and ran it up the hollow from the Widow Jones place and purchased himself a computer and an a- and so and he got on the internet and he used to send me emails. and I would write about those emails. And so Bubba uh, decided to uh, order some uh, bathroom tissue will be refined here. And uh, from uh, Sears. And they wrote him back and said, Sir, uh, we need the catalog number for the item that you're ordering. And he promptly filled out a postcard and sent it back to him and said, Dear Sir or Madam, if I had the catalog, I wouldn't need the toilet paper. <laughs> so... That's a good so one. So that's, that's enough from the humor section of the <laughs> podcast today. But anyway, no, it, it uh, you open the book, there's a nice ad right there on the inside front cover from Cajun Outdoors and uh, showing their lights and jackets and vests. And a uh, nice color ad there. So good for them. Good for them. Then there's announcements hey you know they got a contest going here that looks pretty cool you can win an original volume one issue one of full crime magazine from February of nineteen thirty nine there's a contest here how how you can win that that's pretty cool you know it
0: yeah that i uh I didn't even realize they were doing that
1: yeah. And then they've got a nice table of contents here that looks just like what you would find in a slick magazine. In fact, I look to see this magazine popping up on the in the magazine uh, stand at uh, at Barnes & Noble or uh, uh, Books a Million. Uh, you know, it's that quality. You know, it, it's every bit as, as good or better than a fur fishing game or a... Uh, uh, You know, some of those may not be quite as slick as Gray's Sporting Journal, but. uh, Well, and that's a good point.
0: That's a good point, Steve, because, you know, everybody has their own opinion on print publication and where it's going and what it's doing. And obviously, costs are a major concern when you're talking about any kind of publication and any kind of business that's producing a publication. And that's the common theme that we see with with major publications nowadays, any any type of magazine or newspaper that you're going to read is the quality of the materials that uh, are being printed on is going down. And that's to save costs. And obviously, Full Cry has recognized that, you know, the touch and feel of a publication is just as important as the content in it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, kudos to them for picking up on that and, and being able to and being able to facilitate that to our customer base
1: well i think so for sure and the question comes to mind to me you know is uh, the only way they're going to be able to sustain this kind of a quality publication is through subscribers and advertisers and uh you know this stuff isn't free and paper isn't free and ink isn't free and graphic design isn't free. But this one definitely is is a first-class, maybe, you know, and I worked with Coonhound Bloodlines, as you did. And I remember when back in the day when Cry and American Cooner each had 30,000 subscribers and we had 3,000. And we wanted to build a better mousetrap, so to speak, you know, and we wanted... To, to increase the circulation of that magazine and so I know what it costs and the effort that's involved in producing magazines like this you know so uh, this is what I hope sincerely hope that every hunter out there and you know I don't I don't have a dog in this hunt I don't own as my mother would say, a red scent in this magazine. But I think it's important that we have a good quality, and we do have kunam bloodlines, but let's face it, it's a house organ for a registry. And, and you know, and, and more and more the content of that publication, for the reasons that I've already talked about, is... To, you know to support uh, the registry, you know, your upcoming events and new champions and and all of that sort of thing We're, but I think we need uh, a journal, so to speak, you know that just covers the entire sport and it, and something that's worthwhile, you know, for your subscription dollar and something that you want to look forward to every month, you know, or excuse me, in this case, every other month coming to your mailbox. Yeah. You Uh, know,
0: I think that, I think that with the quality that they are, they're pushing with this magazine, I might actually draw a parallel for our listeners. Um, If anybody has any experience with project upland specifically, if you look at, or if you have any familiarity with Project Upland, they have a you know a big social following and they also produce a, a print publication. And the quality that we're seeing with Cry is very similar to the quality that we'd see in, in a Pro- Project Upland publication. And Project Upland, for those of you that don't know, that's a, a magazine that's primarily driven towards bird dog enthusiasts and upland hunters specifically so you know it's nice to see that there's a there's a counterpart to that that's being presented for tree dogs specifically
1: yeah absolutely and uh, you know for years that you know those kind of publications there's often wondered with the decreasing habitat and all and you know quail hunting used to be um huge uh, all across southern illinois was uh, was a, a strong quail hunting area i'm not so sure that's the case anymore uh, i often wonder where are these people running all these bird dogs but bird dogs are very popular across the spectrum of people that that are interested in sporting dogs yeah you know And I kind of opened some eyes, I think, when I told uh, the people that were interviewing me years ago for a segment on ESPN2 about a coon hunt. We were out at the Nightlight Company in Clarksville, Arkansas, and I I quoted that what Purina had published, uh, that they had determined that organized Uh, competition for coon hounds was the largest sporting dog activity in the country. Uh, You know, larger than bird dogs, larger than uh, labs, larger than beagles, uh, you know, and that kind of really opened some eyes. But for some reason, you know, I mentioned before, uh, Gray's Sporting Journal and, and magazines like that. And even, this uh, yuppie magazine called Garden and Gun. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it the focus usually comes around to a bird dog. Sure, you know it's a it's a German Shorthaired Pointer lying on the rug there, or maybe an Irish Setter. Who, the last one that po- pointed a bird was probably when it came off the ark. <laughs> with oh, I'm going to get hate mail for that. Probably. <laughs> but um anyway that being said you know we've always kind of played uh second not even second fiddle to the other sporting dogs you know when it comes to nice publications and good good press you know and and i think this thing right here is going to take us a long way to to dispelling some of that uh well, as I thumb through this magazine, I'm seeing stuff from about every aspect of uh, of the tree dog sports and uh, and big game hunting. I see uh, Clayton Stark with Stark Outdoors. It has um, an article or two here. Uh, there's a spotlight on a very popular uh, stud dog right now, the Frogger dog. Uh, there's the uh, uh, an an article here about the uh, the voice echoes of Frogger's unique bark resonate in the digital age. That's a good uh, a good article that was written by Jason Doobie. and I I haven't read that one yet. I'm looking forward to that for sure. And then uh, you mentioned earlier when we were talking that you really liked an article here that uh, that Ben Sheets did. Now Ben. Uh, is a guy that I met for the first time last year at Autumn Oaks and he has a a podcast called tree talking time. And, uh, he's written an article here, uh, titled face to face with a mountain lion. You read this article, didn't you?
0: Absolutely. I think, you know, I've always been enthralled with the idea of big game hunting and you know i would love to specifically go on a bear hunt especially after we treat that bear here in my backyard you know that really got my uh, blood pumping for something like that but i've always i've always been enthralled with stories you know that come from the western side of the state or western side of the country i should say and when you can get quality writing like what ben sheets is bringing to the table here with his uh uh close encounters from uh, the account of daryl fry i mean it's just top notch i mean you really feel like you're down there in the cavern with with this mountain lion that they've baited up and (laughs) um you know i i want to tip my hat to ben specifically uh for that rating that was just an incredible story
1: well that's great i'm gonna dive into that one as soon as i can you know i went all the way out to the navajo nation and hunted with Calvin Redhouse out there, a Native American, a tremendous g- uh, guy, a, a, a marine, uh, a, a hero, a patriot, and he is he guides lion hunts. And we went with the Freedom Hunters organization out there. And I didn't get to see a lion up a tree. I've never seen one firsthand, so... I know when I read Ben's article here it's gonna kindle that appetite, yeah, but you know
0: mountain lions are on a particular list I have it's kind of like a bucket list and it rhymes with bucket, <laughs> but it's <laughs> one critter I'm never gonna have a have an appetite to chase. I can tell you that much
1: well i I know it's it's a rigorous sport, I can tell you that uh a lion i I guess once you get him jumped he doesn't run all that far usually because of their small lung capacity but cold trailing him and you know and i i get a real charge out of watching the videos of guys uh you know like brett vaughn born 100 years too late and uh the various ones and, and the reports online from Chris Todd out and, oh, I think he's in, uh, Arizona, uh, maybe Nevada, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's gotta be the ultimate for me. You know, of course yeah. I've seen a lot of bears up trees at being the son of a bear hunter, you know, sure, I, yeah. I saw Started that as a very young person, but and that's still a rush, an absolute rush. In fact, the podcast uh, th- that is running as we recorded this one uh, covered uh, the trip that uh, Jerry Barker took out to Virginia to to go on his first bear hunt as a coon hunter, and that's a good one if you haven't listened to it. Go back and get it. Well, as we flip, continue to flip here. I see Collar Collar Clinic is still in business. You know, they've been a a company up there in Michigan that uh, worked on the old Tritronics trainers and all for years. You could always send in, uh, you know, your collars to be repaired, even though they were maybe out of production and so forth. And I don't know anything about their business right now, and I probably shouldn't comment, but they've got a real nice ad here, color. Of course, these ads are all color, and you may not have uh, noticed or picked up on this, Corey, but Danny uh, just told us that they're running a special on stud dog ads in Full Cry, and you can get a full-page color ad in full cry for $150.
0: Oh, no kidding. Now,
1: you know, that is considerably less than the going rate, you know, uh, that it, that has been. I don't know what the other magazines out there, what they're, they charge for a page. I don't suppose that ProHound is doing uh, color ads. I think their publication, in fact, is. <laughs> This month I got mine and it, it, it I don't know, it, it, it's full of uh, statistics which are good and I read them, but there's really no editorial there. Much, yeah. You know, but uh, anyway, but here's an article on what to expect when your dog's expecting. Now that's got to be a good article for people that are raising puppies. That- Did you read that one? Um,
0: I have not read that article yet, but I'll tell you what. I will be delving into that at some point in time because there's nothing I like better than raising a letter of pops every now and then. I haven't done it in several years and you know it's something that's on my radar as I, as I get some young children here on the ground and, and getting interested in dogs. So you know, I, I've heard a lot about the, the author of this article, Taylor Young. Um, the tree, the tree dog doc. I've heard a lot of good things about Taylor. Um, looking forward to reading it.
1: Yeah. Taylor young DVM. And this is a, it's, well, let's see is one, two, three, four, five pages. So cool. And here's, uh, here's, um, a nice ad from OkeyDogSupply.com. have not heard of them before. Uh, and uh, looks like they got a full array of, of hunting gear and clothing and lights and all kinds of good stuff. Now, as I turn the next page here, and I don't know if we'll be able to get through all this or not in this episode. But here is a fantastic photo. Under a, with an article called The Canadian Tree Dog. Uh, and it's a conversation with Kelly Morton, Alberta's tree dog enthusiast. And, man, here is an old log corral with a mountain lion hanging from the top post and a group of hounds. let's see one, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine. About 10 hounds <laughs> under a big sky. It's just an awesome photo. So I'm really looking forward to digging into that. And then when you flip the page, you got bobcats, you've got uh, mountain lions, you got bears, cinnamon colored bears. So that's all cool. Speaking of getting this. Uh, Hound Sport out uh there's a interesting uh interview here with yanni patellas and uh yannis patellas is kind of the right hand man for steve ranella a meat eater and if our listeners haven't uh been acquainted with the meat eater podcast or the meat eater tv show uh You've been under a rock maybe i don't know but uh, have you are you familiar with the meat eater uh cory i'm i'm ashamed to
0: admit it but i am not uh, <laughs> i haven't watched meat eater <laughs> uh, you know i i know that it has such a such a major following you know across across the sportsman you know paradigm or whatever but man i I just have not seen it. And I, I guess that's something I need to put on my list uh, to watch. But I did read the article. I thought the article was fantastic.
1: Yeah, well, this is a guy that, you know, is is well known uh, through the podcast and through the TV show. And he's gotten a blue tick hound. And he's hunting this hound. And he's done an interview here with uh, Bear Siragusa. And Bear, it's uh, been or Barry, and, and his nickname is Bear. He has his uh, uh, own podcast as well, and uh, so that's got to be a great read right there. He interviews uh, Yanni in uh, in detail here. It's uh, oh four or five pages, I think. So that's got to be uh, got to be a good one. You know, the thing that strikes me here as we're doing this, kind of just breaking this down, is there's a lot to read in this publication, in oh this gosh. magazine this month. Yeah, and we're if not, you're a reader, you're going to dig this thing because... We're not even it, halfway through this. No, no, no. And uh, Danny was gracious. to; She wanted some old stuff. And I had a, an article, a clipping in our scrapbook uh, of an article that my dad did for full cry back in May of 1971. So that's been a few years, 71. That's not, uh, what is that? 29 years to 2000. Well, I don't Uh, want to steal your thunder,
0: Steve, but I'll tell you what, that was, that was probably the best read that I, that as far as from what I took from it for this issue. Um, I thought your dad did an excellent job, you know, retelling the story of these, these two cur dogs that you got, you know, that he hunted with back in back in the 30s and 40s. Yeah. And Man, I'll tell you what, it, that just transported me back to my childhood.
1: You know, I had so many, I grew up on these Pat and Mike stories and it wasn't about Irishmen, you know. <laughs> back in the day, there were a lot of stories, you know, and, and I'm sure they were not always... Uh, they were funny stories that they told about, you know, these two Irishmen. But anyway, and I don't know if that's where my dad and his brother got the idea to name these two cur dogs, Pat and Mike, but uh, I grew up on those stories. Yeah, that and must one have of been the la- a yeah.
0: fantastic childhood then.
1: Well, you know, Dad, uh, and one of the last stories that he told me about uh, uh, Pat and Mike um Mike, I think, was was really the better of the two dogs. And he was the in the picture there, you see, it was the white-looking dog, and he had some red spots or markings on him. But uh, he told me that his older brother, Phil, a real, real quick story about there were three brothers in my dad's family. My dad was the middle-aged one. And they were all born, there were two girls born, and then three boys, and then the rest girls, and there were all there was nine all altogether, but my dad was in the middle of the boys, and his older brother phil and and he were the ones that had the dogs and My dad admitted that Phil's dog was the better of the two, okay, but he told the story about one time so and he told my dad he said so and so invited me over uh on saturday to go squirrel hunting and he's supposed to have a pretty good dog so he said i'm going to take so don't make any plans for old mike i'm going to take him with me and i'm going to go over there and see what he's got (laughs) so my dad he said when phil came home he asked him, how'd the hunt go? And he said, and I, I may misquote this just a little bit, and I wish, oh boy, do I wish Dad was here to tell it again. But he said, I think it was 20 squirrels they'd treed. Wow. And Mike could treed 19 of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll
0: tell you, Steve, I the reason I really connected with this story in particular is uh you know i can remember from my childhood you know my grandfather was the one that kind of instilled my love for coon hunting into me and he's the one that that fostered that he took it took me hunting and stuff well he he had uh, you know ukc registered coon hounds in that time period that would have been the you know the mid to late 90s when when i was hunting with him but uh, going back further than that, when he when he originally started coon hunting, he was a beagle man his whole life, and then uh, you know Parvo kind of hit his kennel pretty hard, and then he mm. he went into uh, to coonhounds after that. And his very first coonhound that he had was a was a Cur cross, and he called okay. the dog Trapper. And Trapper was, uh, by his standards, his best coon dog that he ever had, you know. And and But Trapper was the kind of dog that he was all business and he was a tree dog. He would tree possums, he'd tree coons, and, uh, and he was very serious about his business. And, and just reading these stories about Pat and Mike specifically, you know, that just resonated with me because I can remember the stories that my grandpa used to tell me about old Trapper and and people to this day, even my dad and my mom, they still talk about hunting with old Trapper and stuff. So that that was pretty cool. And I think everybody can has a Pat or a Mike yeah. kind of dog in their life exactly. that, that they can connect the story with. And it's, it was yeah. just a great read.
1: Yeah. Imagine 1920s. My dad was born in 20. So this would have been in the 30s, the early 30s. But depression years, living on a farm. But all around you were people of your basically the same social standing and financial standing that your family was, and everybody was uh hunter friendly, yeah, you didn't worry about the fences and all. My dad used to tell me about going walking to Oak Grove, which is people who live around Dixon, Tennessee, know where that is, to his grandpa Haley's to spend the night and uh, walking through the woods and taking the dogs out. When they would go anywhere and walk or whatever, they would whistle up the dogs, put the the rifle or the shotgun, my grandpa's old uh, side hammer uh uh, smoked in the old oh, uh, what uh, black powder shells, you know. When they shot the gun, they had to squat down real low and look under the smoke to see if, if they hit anything. <laughs> but just be able, you know, to do that. Just grab the dog, walk off the porch, whistle up the dog, throw the gun over your shoulder, go see Grandpa, and squirrel hunt all the way up and back. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, man.
0: Well, I would I would make an argument that that's probably why guys like me are packing on the extra pounds nowadays because we got to drive everywhere to go hunting. You know, <laughs> absolutely.
1: I, I'm working today. I went out and got the supplies and stuff to to fix it, my four wheeler ATV trailer, so I can haul that thing up to Virginia, so I can run around with Keston. Oh, good mountains. call. Good Cause, call. Cause. Uh, those those walks especially with that long legged sucker uh, you know they get long and uh, but yeah that's true you know and uh, my dad lived to be 88 years old yep and uh hey you know that that toughness you know of course there was a lot of mental toughness that went along with that oh so, yeah yeah but that was that was great uh for me personally to for Danny to uh to publish that article, and I do definitely thank her for that. Uh, Somebody here at Clifton Robinson's got an ad on a uh, dog called Cahaba River Newt. Looks like like it's a cur dog here. And uh, OMB, what is it? OMCBA Dog of the Year for 22. Yeah, you know, that's uh, a
0: dog that I've seen advertised quite a bit, so it's nice to see that that uh, that dog's being
1: advertised here, too. Yeah. 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 The dog must be the real deal with all these titles. Mm Mm-hmm. And then they got a... I see W Hunting Supply bought a a couple pages here and got a lot of good pictures. That's a cool deal. And uh, I slid in a little article here they uh, asked me to do about Autumn oaks, which is always fun for me to write about autumn oaks because I enjoy it so much. Yeah, that was a
0: good that was a good one to read, especially considering I had to miss out on it this year.
1: Yeah, that's that's one that I try to make every year. I didn't go the COVID year. Yeah, but uh, you know, and and just the scope of this thing. Now we already talked about these dogs, these lion dogs up in in Alberta. And here's one, Highland Tree Dogs, Nova Scotia's versatile canine hunters. Now,
0: if I had to, if I had to put a pin on my favorite read, in here, I it would be between uh, you know the the mountain lion stories with Daryl Fry and these Highland Tree Dogs. I I didn't even realize that anybody was working on any kind of versatile hunting dog like this, you know, as far as like a breeding program and uh, i am forever infatuated with versatile dogs and you know actually after reading this article it makes me really want to go out and buy one (laughs) or at least try
1: (laughs) well that's the way i felt when i was at uh ukc and we were contacted or perhaps we contacted them navda North American Versatile Hunting Dog Association. Yeah, and those guys were out there. They'd be hunting squirrels or whatever with a with a, uh, you know the wire hair pointers. What are they called drothers or dr- drotars, yeah, drotars, yeah. And uh, uh, you know, and this one fella had he mentioned a place in West Virginia that I knew very well because I bear hunted there, Cates Mountain. Which is near White Sulphur Springs. If you watch the Barnwood Builders program on on TV, those boys there. But anyway, he was up there squirrel hunting and treed a bobcat with his with his German short-haired pointer. Oh yeah. And you know that's that's all cool stuff right there. You know, UKC had a saying I thought was really good, and they probably had it when you were there. It came along after my time. It's Said dogs that do stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that was that. I I love it, man. I really yeah. love it.
0: Yeah. yeah so th- this article was written by Mickey Mickey Siddle, and um, and the Highland Tree Dogs. I'm not going to quote the entire recipe here, but uh, Droptars, Leopard Cur, and the Plot Hound. So that is an interesting combination. I wouldn't have anticipated, uh, you know, that being the foundation there, but man, I'll tell you what, I, uh, I could definitely get behind something like that. That's a big reason why I moved to plot hounds was because I like, like the versatility Mm -hmm. aspect of that breed and, and seeing guys working on stuff like this is pretty, pretty cool.
1: Well, you know, plots have been my breed for so many years and they are versatile. I, uh, once, uh, communicated with a fella out in, Mar- in Nebraska that used plots for pheasant hunting. No he kidding. He used them for flushing dogs. Yes. Wow. And uh, and apparently they were quite good at it. So, you know, it's, it's, I think that it goes, the plot may be more than other breeds and the guys, the loyalists from all the breeds would probably argue with me over this. But the plot, Tends to be more of a companion dog, and they are highly intelligent. They're a bit aloof sometimes, but they are—they're uh, intelligent and they're—they're they're biddable, as they say. And yeah. you know, uh, so anyway, but that's my little—that's my little personal opinion, and I'm going to stick to it. Yeah, you know,
0: the only versatile dogs that I've had in the past have been uh, coon dogs that like to treat possums. You know, <laughs>
1: <that>? <laughs> so yes. I'm,
0: I'm glad to see I'm moving in a yes. better and, direction. F-
1: and fruit. Don't yeah. forget fruit. Uh, yeah. Mark Murf- Miller Martin Miller, told me he, yeah, last night, I believe it was, he was hunting the fever dog, the plot dog, and his Grand Night Champion 2 named Crockett. And fever is a boy that wants to be by himself all the time, but he treed some fruit last night. And of those of you who don't know what that is, persimmon. <laughs> and if you have never treed up a persimmon tree, or if you have, usually you're gonna see the fruit of the persimmon tree, but you're not very likely to see a raccoon up there. Steve What happens? Yeah.
0: Steve, when you lived in Michigan and you were hunting in yeah. Michigan, do you remember the mulberry bushes? Oh yeah. Oh my sure. lord, treeing on mulberry bushes, man. <laughs> <laughs> that that will that'll turn your stomach in a hunt real quick.
1: Do you recall driving around those mile squares? And I'm thinking more like down the southern end of the county there where I lived around Schoolcraft, Vicksburg, that area and all. But if you drove around during mulberry time, and there was a tree along the roadway. There, the the roadway would be just black, oh yeah, where those berries had fallen off and been squished by the cars going by. You know. Well, and if
0: you were beside the right interstate, there'd be a couple of coons laying there squished too. Oh yeah.
1: <laughs> the highways really—they, it's amazing how much. Uh, carnage they do to wildlife up there that's one that's a little aside though but you know i lived in raleigh north carolina i lived in eastern ohio at one time Uh, but michigan when you were out at night you were most always seeing lives uh, wildlife of some type Mm -hmm. you know as you i used to just take when i finished my hunt usually over west of town in Van Buren County or maybe down in Cass County. I'd take a long drive home, just kind of unwind and see what I could see. Deer and raccoons and possums and skunks and foxes, and you know, I just wildlife everywhere. Uh, you go to some other areas of the country, like even down here. Of course, we're very thick. And, and a lot of vegetation here in Florida, but you don't see that. Yeah. You don't see that hardly at all. I can,
0: you know, I, I, I tell people that ask, not that people ask a whole lot, but, you know, I believe 110% the air was fresher in Michigan. And Mm -hmm. I say that because when I describe hunting in Michigan compared to hunting in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is very much the inverse of Michigan. And what I mean by that is for every crop field that you have in Michigan, that would be the equivalent of uh, a large track of timber here in Pennsylvania. You know, so you go from a place that has little patchwoods and and lots of agricultural fields to a place like Pennsylvania where you have large stands of, of, you know, hardwood timber and just very small patches of agriculture sprinkled throughout Um, It very much is the inverse, and and I think the air was fresher just because it it was able to move.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Well, you know, we've been at this quite a while here, uh, Corey. We're, you know, bearing down on an hour. Uh, And as we go on in the book, there's some basic uh, articles that you would expect people to send in to a publication. Yeah. There's a fellow here who says, you know, he's a hound hunting athlete. And then uh, you've got a fellow here with a nice little pointy-eared squirrel getter, judging by all the the, uh, squirrels on the tailgate, Buckley Farm Kennel. Yep, Steve Buckley. Yeah. You've got uh, the importance of hounds, unleashing the legacy in the wilderness, talking about kids hunting. And, uh, there's
0: some great little excerpts yeah. in here, um, specifically like an artist spotlight. Uh,
1: yeah.
0: there's a, there's a book corner, which I thought that was a, a fantastic idea that describes some older literature that you can get into if you're interested in reading more about hounds.
1: Exactly. Here's a book called Hounds in the Hills. I don't have that book. I haven't read it. I'm going to see if I can find a copy. Well, if I find um, it
0: before you do, I will buy you a copy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Yeah, I do. And, and then there,
0: there's some great club articles in here too from some of our some of our more uh, our larger breed organizations that are out there, like yeah. the American Black and Tan Association. The American Redbone Coonhound Association. yeah, I
1: see oh Jeff Young, a longtime red bone man from from Michigan, is on there and a, a picture with his dog. And, oh
0: yeah, probably and, goes back yeah. to Yellow River Red Blaze if I had to guess.
1: <laughs> well, you'd know those red dogs better than I do. Well, I guess the point being is, is here, uh Corey is that this is a new beginning and it's an opportunity. For those of us in the the Coonham world, to have a really nice publication to look forward to, and to to share with our with our friends, and you mentioned taking an issue to the Coon Club, you know, and uh, and all, and there's a even a classified section, you know. As I as a kid, I used to read those classified ads. Those those extra special grade A uh cooners for seventy five dollars. Just send your money to Ozark Kennels, So and so, Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> and then the kids corner at the back, that's fun, isn't it? Seeing these kids send their artwork in and oh, yeah. their pictures and
0: they they cut out all of the uh, artwork of, you know, the possum trees or anything like that. You know how kids are. They're brutally honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: No slick That's trees, sad. no
0: possums in the kid's corner. We cut those out.
1: Right, right. And on the inside back covers, a really nice dog box, uh, Alder Grove dog boxes. Now, this is a a, a company I have not heard about. <laughs> Uh, they say you can get vocal pickup in you know, Oregon and South Dakota. So there you go. But it looks like a nice especially rigged box there with looks like four walker hounds up on top. But uh, but the part, the part of the magazine, I haven't read it all yet, but the thing that I did read, and it really uh, I've told some people on social media, just be sure you have your – box of kleenex on the table when you read this one about old duke it's a very well-written poem uh, on the next to the last page and i'm not going to spoil it for you i'm going to let you <laughs> let you see if you had the same reaction that i did well, we've kind of shined the tree, as they say. We've got W Hunting Supply again. It's a nice ad on the back page. And uh, I don't know how many pages this thing was altogether. 82, it says. And that's that's pretty impressive. Well, how do you give it? What kind of grade do you give it overall, Corey?
0: I mean, I I would give it as high a grade as I could. I mean, you know really, nowadays, now that with American Coon are gone and and, you know, some of the other publications diminishing a little bit, really all the choice we have is between Full Cry and Coon Bloodlines. And, you know, I can tell people uh, from my perspective, uh, considering that both of these publications came to me within a day of each other, um, looking at them side by side and kind of comparing and contrasting these two magazines specifically i think they complement each other really well you know so if you are an avid subscriber to coonhound bloodlines i think full cry is going to be something you can really get behind because it won't be a lot of uh repeated information you know coonhound bloodlines is a lot of stats and figures and rules and results whereas full cry is more of an editorial style a storybook so to speak
1: Yeah, well, you make a great point there. And, you know, and that's back in years ago when we decided to try to turn Coonhound Bloodlines around and and make it something that folks would look forward to every month is to provide, uh, you know, all as much information as possible to our readers along with a good editorial. Now, with Coonhound Bloodlines, I think, and maybe that editorial is good. What The articles you read in there are good. They're worth your time. They're worth the reading. But the emphasis has not been on the editorial in the last few years as much as it once was. But I think you make a great point. You know, you need them both. You need uh, that magazine for information. And uh, and I believe that this full cry is going to provide us with a lot to do on those snowy nights when it's too cold to hunt, except for me because I live in Florida. And, I, <laughs> and well, when it's, you it's, guys are buttoning up and and chipping ice out of the buckets.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, I'm it's, down
1: here coon hunting in my shirt sleeves.
0: So. <laughs> well, it's definitely comparing apples to oranges. And um, yeah. it's a scoreboard compared to a storyboard. Let's put it that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, right. Well, Corey, we uh, have talked and hopefully not bored to tears, our listeners, for the uh, last hour. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time in the evening. I, I, I got to get a report on this plot dog, though, before we go.
0: Oh, Lord. Yeah, the plot dog. She's doing great, actually. Um, so since last time... We spoke on the podcast. Goldie has run and treed her first coon at night solo, and um, we've had her out with her mother, who just recently was the high-scoring plot hound at the UKC World Hunt. Hey, and uh, we've done some hunting with her and, and Goldie together, and and she's catching on. She's catching on to the night hunting. She seems to be pretty naturally independent great track dog. That's what I've been looking for for a long time is a really good track dog. And, sh- and she's definitely that, but um, I might, I might tease a little bit here and just say that I've been enjoying this young dog and our conversation so much that I've gone out and I've booked a plot helm <laughs> puppy that should be coming here just before Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah.
1: On now the hook is set. Yeah. <laughs> the hook is set. Uh, my buddy. And partner on our plot dog, Fever, just told me this week that he's thinking about getting another plot. Now, this is a dyed-in-the-wool walker man. I mean, he's had some good ones, too, and has some good ones. But those little brittle dogs have a way of kind of getting close to you.
0: Yeah, you're going to have to change the name of the podcast to Gone to the Plots. <laughs> <laughs>
2: My old
1: friend John Sturgill down in West Virginia always said, if you want a coon in a pot, hunt a plot. There you go. There's the motto. Corey Groover from the great state of Pennsylvania. What town are you in up there, Corey? We are in
0: Greenville, Pennsylvania.
1: Greenville. Greenville. Up where the leaves are already turning. When should coon season come in?
0: Our coon season comes in, uh, I want to say it's not the last weekend of October, it's the weekend before that. So usually around the 20th, 21st, 22nd, something like
1: that. It comes in a
0: little early, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I always look forward to coon season, although I know the furs are not worth anything anymore. Uh, It's still great to get out there and put the old familiar 22 in the crook of your arm and And uh, stand out there on one of those ridges and listen to a dog. I like them that bark on track. I don't want them to over bark a track, but I like to hear them which way they're going. And listen, I know the reason why I do it. Listen, I
0: know that Randy likes to save his coons. But if you want to kill some coons in Pennsylvania, you just come up and see me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Well, I'm going to be up that way now. Whether a, a venture over your way is is going the calendar is going to afford that or not, I don't know. But I know it would be fun, and we'll and work I, it out. Yeah, you got it, buddy. Well, best of luck to you and your plot and your little. Uh, whatever your little Heinz variety is there that you've got. (laughs) And and, uh, we'll get you on here again because I'm sure we'll always find something to talk about. That's Corey Groover, folks, from Greenville, Pennsylvania, and uh, really glad that he joined us this week. If you need anything for your dogs or yourself with this upcoming coon season, uh, hunting season, bears, lions, whatever you want to chase, see my good friends at w Hunting WHuntingSupply, DUSupply.com. That's all we got for this week, folks. Uh, we'll catch you next week, and hopefully we'll be able, maybe the next podcast I'll record will be on the road on one of the hunts, and uh, we should have some stuff to support. If we don't have a good hunt, we'll make it up, okay? All right, that's it for Gone to the Dogs.